This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Welcome to Celtic State of Mind. I'm delighted to be here. I'm Paul John Dykes and I'm joined by JP Mason and Declan McConville for another Axon Bulletin. Guys, how are you getting on? Good morning. Hello, Paul. Yep, well, sunny here in Glasgow. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I've not seen much of the sun, as you can maybe tell from my pallor. Um, (laughs) Now, over your right shoulder, JP Mason... um, the 96 is relevant for a couple of reasons today. So let's open it up. Let's talk about um, the 32nd anniversary of the Hillsborough tragedy, the disaster that befell um, those individuals, all those people who were involved and their families. And it's only right um, just as human beings to remember that. But also there's always that affinity between Celtic and Liverpool that um, I don't know if uh, events over the last few years have diluted that at all I certainly have always had an affinity with Liverpool Football Club JP what's your thoughts on that have you ever been drawn to them uh, no actually um, and, and that's no disrespect to Liverpool and you know I think as as I've said before on the, on the show I, I favour Manchester United uh, as, a, as a team in that league but for some reason, I've never had a real hatred of Liverpool as Manchester United. Obviously, the Manchester United-Liverpool rivalry. And I think it probably has to do with, with Hillsborough and, mm. and just in the respect that I have for the club uh, having to go through that, that, that horrendous tragedy. Um, you know, you'd never expect to go to a football match and not come back after it. Just You just wouldn't, you know. You, you, just, you, go, you go there and... 
you enjoy the 90 minutes and then the crack afterwards on the way home and that's it. You just wouldn't yeah. ex- ever, ever in your, you know, worst nightmares think that, that something like that could happen. So I think maybe the, the, the affinity that Celtic have with Liverpool, that's probably uh, diluted any, you know, uh, you know, uh, dislike I've ever had for Liverpool. I, I've, I've, I've never, I've never felt that animosity towards them. Um, Manchester City, on the other hand, different kettle of fish. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, and and it just it's very very weird. And we were talking about it off air there that, that that it's ninety six days until our first Champions League qualifier. But it should also, I should, I think it was Laura Bradburn had tweeted something this morning, and I just saw thirty two years. Um, since the Hillsborough tragedy, and uh, and then I just immediately saw ninety six and went, I know what I'm writing in that bit of paper today. It's very strange. It is. It is. I mean, I was telling you before we we came on camera there. I mean, Liverpool back in Mark any youth. I don't know if it's, it's still the same now, Declan. You always did have an English team. You had an English team, and you know when I was younger, reading Shoot and Match magazine, you had a very good knowledge of English football, and you kept an eye on various Scottish players that had gone down there. Um, but my big brother, I've got to say, was always uh, Liverpool-centric. He was always into Liverpool, and for no other reason than they, they were probably winning, and they were a very good side. There was a few Scottish players in there, and it was at the time of you know the Anfield rap coming out, the record and all that kind of stuff, and he, he, he actually has a seven-inch vinyl. So you know, when I went to my first Celtic game, 1987, it just so happened to be against Liverpool. So it might come from there, but then digging in a wee bit further into the, the history of the clubs um, and also, you know, the, the Irish diaspora within both cities and the culture of both cities, there's there's similarities there. Um, but also, you know, the Jockstein and Bill Shankly uh, friendship back in the day, the fact that Dalglish went there as a player. Um, but I've said this before and I'll say it again. Professor Phil Scraton wrote an incredible book called The Truth all around uh, Hillsborough um, what went wrong and why, who was to blame and he was an incredible campaigner for the justice campaign for, for decades, uh, he was pivotal in the new evidence being unearthed which allowed uh, obviously the case to be heard um, again because it was buried uh, by the authorities and when you're reading that book and I would recommend it to everybody, have a read at this, when you're reading that book you know exactly how the last began and how that then spread from the, the match commander at the game Duckenfield and then obviously being visited by uh, Thatcher so the government were part of that the media were part of that with the Sun newspaper headlines and uh, those three aspects you know basically ridiculed uh, Liverpool the fans, uh, the community of Liverpool for generations and the lie started very, very early on whilst the tragedy was unfolding in front of their eyes on CCTV and that's when the call was made and it continued from there. Reading that book, honestly, you'll have a tear in your eye more than once. Uh, Not just because of the gruesome nature of what happened but just the injustice of it all. You know, and you're reading it as as working class fellas and you're thinking, wow, the, the establishment threefold really went for Liverpool Um, and you know I just think yeah I probably am anti-establishment I've got to say you know Declan's very political obviously studying politics I've always been fairly politicised and Phil Scraton I think I mentioned it either on this podcast when it was an audio podcast or maybe in a tweet how I would have loved to interview someday uh, Professor Phil Scraton and believe it or not he emailed me 
He said, somebody has alerted me to the fact that you're like an interview. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking back, was it during maybe the first lockdown, Declan? Maybe when we were doing the audio podcasts and uh, I organised a, a phone call as it was at the time. And it was just an incredible an incredible insight into the man's faith, really, um, and the, the fight for justice for those families. I'd love to meet him sometime, shake his hand for what he'd done. Um, but yeah, it's only right for us to remember that. And I don't think the fact that Stevie Gerrard went to Rangers uh, sullies any kind of relationship that Celtic fans have got. You know, uh, the friendship... You know, the Hillsborough, the game, Kevin Graham talks about it, the game, the game when Liverpool come up to Glasgow uh, after the Hillsborough disaster and, and play Celtic in a friendly game, Dalgleish is there. I think that's that's there forever more, Declan. What's your thoughts? What's your thoughts on English football and our friendship with Liverpool? Well, again, I'm like JP, I favour Manchester United because there's a strong connection between both clubs. Um, a couple of weeks back, I uh, had the pleasure of talking to Paddy Cairn on the phone for over an hour. A brilliant, brilliant interview. The reason I like Manchester United was Sir Alex was, of course, in charge at the time. So Scott being in charge just made me like Manchester United. But again, like JP said, I don't really have any major dislike for Liverpool. Both clubs sing the same anthem. Um, Kenny Dalglish is an icon at both clubs. And my favourite band's the Beatles, so um, I don't have any major dislike for Liverpool. I thought in the Kenny documentary, it's one of the most heartbreaking scenes when you see him looking over Hillsborough and he, he can't go near the stadium. It was just so, so sad. And whatever that actually did to Kenny Douglas after Hillsborough as a man was is heartbreaking. So um, on a day like today, it's right that, that every football supporter, no matter what your colour is, um, comes together to remember all those people killed and, and murdered in a a horrific incident in, in football that, you know, nobody should go to a football match and not return home. Have you seen that, JP? The Kenny Dalglish documentary that Declan refers to? I haven't, It's no. superb, superb. Where, where can I watch it? Um, I actually got it as a link to review it uh, on Axom. I never got around to reviewing it. I just used it as a freebie so I could watch it. Um, but the way that the documentary uh, makers tackled this, this situation is they're doing a, a documentary on Kenny Dalglish so it'd be easy to show you all the goals and all the successes but they actually base it on the three tragedies um, that you know were part of his career the Ibrox disaster the High Soul disaster and the Hillsborough disaster and as Declan rightly says here, the effect that that had on him as, a, as an individual you know they talked to his family his, his kids his wife um, about how that affected him as a person you know he went to all these funerals uh, for the victims of Hillsborough mm. um, and what you know how it affected them forever really um, it's really looked at in, in some detail and I think you come away having had an insight into Kenny Dalglish's character that uh, up to that point I don't think we ever ever got from you know interviews on the TV or any other documentary yeah, it attempts just, it was just only an excuse character yeah. it was, uh, that was kind of what you thought of when you thought of Kenny Dalglish rather than yeah. you, know, be, be, you know beyond the surface Absolutely, but you do, you really get an insight into the man, uh, the personality and the character of Kenny Dalglish. Um, so yeah, I'd recommend that, and uh, why not watch it on today of all days? I mean, as you say, there's some really you know uh, tear jerkers uh, during that documentary, Declan, and of course Liverpool bounced at the Champions League last night. Our first Champions League qualifier, as you quite rightly say, JP, is in 96 days, under 100 days to go, and there's plenty to discuss. Um, let's start off by saying, well, you know, transfers are still happening. We're still getting deals done. Um, you know, with Liam Shaw, for example. Uh, the most recent one was Klamala. Uh, I remember we mentioned this, I think, about three or four weeks ago. I didn't realise, you know, it was uh, at that point 
uh, not widely known that he was going somebody told me that he was going to uh, the Red Bulls and I, I mentioned it on the podcast and it so happens that it happened um, so who's doing the deals JP is this still Peter Lowell at the moment at the helm is he still well, overseeing all that who signed him in the first place <laughs> that's, that, 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 <laughs> you know we're, we're none the wiser as to who that was because I'm pretty sure it wasn't Neil Wenning um, and you know so you've got to ask who, who so whoever's whoever's done the deal is just basically went, oh we'll we'll pay three and a half million and we've got three and a half million back, so that's good business, you know, well done. But it's it's not though because that player was signed at a, a time when we really needed uh, somebody to augment the strike force when we had a, a, an unfit uh, or a or a you know questionably fit Lee Griffiths mm. um, uh, and Ayeti who hasn't you know hit any sort of uh, heights. Since he arrived, and an Odson Edward, who you know, we don't know what Odson Edward we're going to get on a Saturday or a Sunday mm-hmm. um, or Wednesday. Or happy days. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so um, I don't. I, I, I just a bizarre. I hope it was a completely bizarre signing. And I think a lot of people thought we'd overspent on that signing. I mean, was three and a half million a really a, a bargain, or was it overpaid? I mean. What was his stock before he arrived? This is the thing. Not much. I mean, at that price, you're looking at the age and you think, right, Celtic are going to try and do what they did with the various players that have been spoken about so often on Axon, where you bring them in for a couple of million, between two to three and a half million. You try and do a turn on them and, you know, make three, four times profit, sell them on. But I'm of the view that that ship had already sailed by this point. I mean, we bring in Klamala and we'd already tried to bring in players like Kuasi, for example, it hadn't worked out with him. Various others where um, it was getting more and more difficult because that area of the market that we were utilising, um, you know, once the successes have, have been seen to such a degree that, you know, players are getting sold in the English leagues for crazy money, 75 million quid, etc., for, for guys that we had identified just a few years before, then the big leagues are going to be all over that. And they'll, they'll be buying up all the best of that talent and throwing them into their under-23 team. And uh, obviously, what we are then getting is a completely different standard of player. And I think that, you know, although he's never really been uh, consistently utilised, Declan, it was quite clear that Clamalo was just never going to develop into a Celtic centre-forward, was he? No, I, I don't think so. In early flashes, he just... Just didn't seem to have it. Again, I know he's not had a consistent run in the team. He scored that really good goal up at McDermott Park, if you remember, and the guy absolutely clatters him and he gets back up and sticks it in the back of the net. But it's just not worked out for him. And again, you know, money is going to be tight this summer if there's a decent deal uh, on the table of around the reported three and a half million, which is, I think, what we paid for him. And I would just you know, send them on and and try and look elsewhere because again, if a new manager's coming in, whether they'll like him or not, whether they'll favour him, I don't know. He's still young, he's still quite raw. Um, but if he does go, all the best to him over in in the states, like uh, Lewis Morgan. Um, his, his counterpart who also checked out pretty early on in his Celtic career to go over there never looked back has he the, the big thing with me looking at Klamala you bring him in at 21 and if he was ever going to make an impression you look at where he was at the beginning of this season Lee Griffiths comes back from pre-season overweight unfit he's not even taken on the pre-season tour of France and um, contrary to that you know 
Kamala comes back looking fit, strong. He's built up. Kevin Graham called him like a, what was it? Elijah Warsaw Ultra. Um, <laughs> it, he had shaved his head. He looked like he was ready for it. And then, you know, if there was ever going to be an opportunity for him, this season was it because Lee Griffiths had fallen out of favour. Eduard's consistency was questionable throughout the, the majority of the season. He gets the shout, albeit fortunately, he gets the shout in the first game against Rangers. And, you know, I can't really give him such a hard time. I think Celtic were rotten throughout the team that day. But he got that opportunity and, and obviously didn't take it. Um, if there was ever going to be an opportunity for him to make it at Celtic, it was this season. It's not happened. So as Declan says, you wish him all the best and he moves on. If we can get our money back, I think it's a cracking bit of business. There's no doubt that, yeah, there's plenty of feelings, uh, as there are with, with everybody, but with Peter Lowell, there's plenty of feelings that we could sit here and talk about what we're happy with, what we're unhappy with. Um, but there's one thing for sure, he knew how to drive a deal. And if he's managed to, to drive this deal and get our money back for Clamalla, fair play to you. Um, but it does, you know, leave us with a scenario where are we all resigned to the fact that Edward's going? Probably. It looks as though Griffiths is going the same way. Clamalla's away. Bio's out on loan. Don't think he's going to be any better than Clamalla. That leaves us really with uh, only two strikers, if that's the case. One Bio, the other a Yeti. You've already mentioned him, JP. Um, so we've gone from four to, to one, almost, in a Yeti. And we're going to have to go out there and strengthen again up front. So we've gone from a real position of strength, or what we thought was a position of strength, with Eduard and Griffiths, and then the backup strikers, and a £5 million player comes in from West Ham, to possibly only having one striker at the club. I mean, that's bad squad management, isn't it? It is, and, and you know, even if a, a huge uh, team come in, if it's Howe or whoever... Um, you know, scouting doesn't just happen overnight, does it? Mm. I mean, you've like scouting's based on watching guys. So, whoever is signing players just now, we're going to be relying on their. Are we, are we going to be relying on their notes and uh, you know their kind of uh, short lists of players to then hand over to the new? Oh, well, we've been watching these guys, so here you go. Here's a list. And yeah. hand over. I mean, that 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 seems insane to me, but. Um, you'd like to think that if somebody has been chosen right now to be the manager and it's just a case of waiting on the announcement and how it, how that is going to be staggered, you'd like to think they've already been doing some, some homework because they are well aware that we're going to be short in a number of areas uh, going into what is in 96 days the, the Champions League qualifiers. 96 days you're right and when you were discussing that JP it brought back memories of the, the leaked images of that meeting the recruitment meeting where we had the list of players and people in the meeting and it's like you've already got a structure in place at the moment whereby you know, uh, that's already started to be um, dismantled in the fact that Peter Lowell's announced that he's going Nicky Hammond's away the manager's away um, but the whole thing can't stop you've always going to have to have players being scouted players being shortlisted um, and Obviously, it's one of it's a moving target. It always will be a moving target because these things change day to day, Declan. But again, I guess that's why I'm I'm asking the question. Most Celtic fans get a managerial appointment. We'll come back to the victory over Rangers um, over the next seven days because not only is time running out for the first competitive game, uh, 96 days to go, but the the rebuild is absolutely massive. Uh, the striker just being one area of that. I think when you look at what, what's departed the club so far, Paul, and the manager's gone, with Nicky Hammond's checked out, we're going to have the, the chief executive leaving, 
the captain leaving there is big major major gaps here and I think it's going to be imperative come Monday when Dominic Mackay starts his, his job at Celtic Park I know Kevin Russell had touched on it on Monday what will he do after he gets his cup of tea and a couple of digestive biscuits which is going to be the first thing he does um, I think that's going to be crucial to, to see how forward we go here whether right away Dominic Mackay is going to want to, to address the Celtic fans and come kind of state of the nation type thing to say this is my plan and this is what I want to do here and if we are going to get a manager I would expect it to be with Dominic Firmly in the building which is why when it was first rumoured you know for the photo opportunity and all this stuff that we're used to um, I don't think it was going to ever happen without him being there so I think next week could be crucial coming off the back of a derby game and the arrival of our new um, CEO at the football club it's interesting times, but we've got to also look at where the club are and uh, in terms of the season tickets, Declan, you know, that photo opportunity. And all. These things are real. It's not just pie-in-the-sky stuff for a PR opportunity. They really need to capitalise on any announcement that the, that the club are going to make because they know that um, there's a, a lot of season tickets to be renewed for next season. Some of the points coming in. Kaplan, Mark, welcome back to the show. You're watching us on YouTube. Really confusing who is making decisions on new contracts, player sales at the moment. Is it status quo or is it someone else? Um, you would think it probably is status quo. I don't think yeah, there's any possibility that until um, Dominic Mackay comes in on Monday that he could possibly be involved in these things. It's just, you know, I don't think Clamalla, anyone would want to keep him in terms of a manager coming in. Um, but there are other deals that could be happening at the moment that any incoming manager would rather be kept the player for example Chris Ayer or Hudson Edwards etc so yeah I'm not too concerned about Klamala but if that was Edward and uh, you know a deal was afoot uh, for someone like Edward then an incoming manager might think well I would have rather kept Edward and that might then affect the actual decision of that manager to come to the club so we're in a precarious situation in terms of the timing of that um, we will be talking about John Kennedy as well but strange love the doctor comes in hopefully we win against them I think it's an achievable goal for us so do I we will talk about the game uh, during the broadcast in regards to a new manager I really don't see a coach being appointed this season and I'm happy with Kendall until then now Kendall. we're going to Kendall yeah who is it they called him Kendall Stephen all Welsh wasn't it all of them it's so many Sean, Sean Maloney it's his old uh, nickname because I think there was a bit of banter on it an open goal they're all going Kendall so uh... <laughs> Kendall yeah. right Kendall. it's an interesting one right because on the point of Clamalla there's a there's a guy who comes in at 21 and you're talking about his stock and what he'd done before. JP, not a great deal, to be honest with you, right? And we spent three and a half million quid on him. So I made the point um, on Tuesday, I think it was, when we were talking about the new Van Dyke, uh, Leo Held. Uh, we are also talking about some of the other comparisons that we had heard in the past. You know, the new Baggio was Stevie Fulton's one. Um, Lou, McCar Lou McCarry called Simon Donnelly the new Dalgleish, remember? Um, Brian, yeah. Brian McLaughlin was the new Jimmy Johnston. By the way, Simon Donnelly, you know, he. I, I was watching, a, a guy asked me to help him uh, with a podcast he was doing for his college course about the season we stopped uh, 10 in a row. And I watched the, the season review of, of, it's on YouTube, you can watch the, the you know, the, it's narrated by Richard Jobson. What was it called? What was it, On Target? No, no, On Target was just like a kind of filler uh, thing with in the Tommy Burns time. yeah. Yeah, um, but this is obviously the Vinyans. It was it right. I've got you, Glory Boys or something. Like I've that. got you. Yeah, and and Richard Jobson narrates it, which is amazing. Uh, 
because he's he's a character and a half. I did a gig with him at, at King Tut's, and he's massive St. Pauli Celtic fan. Uh, and I did Logelli, Logelli boy. Is he? Aye? Oh, right, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, but but the the footage of Simon Donnelly, I I, I have to hold my hands up. I forgot how good Simon Donnelly was for Celtic. I mean. He was a really good player that season. A big, was. Part, of, a big part of that of that of that league win, and he'd been there through the the Toby Burns era as well. Obviously, he brought him into the team. Um, I, so I, you're the, right. The Kenny Dalglish Simon Donnelly thing is not. I mean, obviously, it's a bit it's a bit much. I get that, and I think Simon Donnelly would admit that himself. Like you know, he's not he's not Kenny Dalglish, but. It's not. It's not quite Stevie Fulton and Roberto Baggio. <laughs> like I don't think it's the same. Uh, the same. The same difference as that. So anyway, there was a great. There was a great picture actually on Twitter yesterday. I seen it on Celtic Curio. Uh, post a lot of good pictures, and it was Stevie Fulton, and uh, they were in Switzerland to play Nuschetel's Amax. Mark McNally, Barry Smith, Brian O'Neill, all wearing the Celtic shell suits. There's Stevie, Stevie with a front tooth and all that. It was brilliant. <laughs> uh, but you know these these guys come in, and you know sometimes managers. I mean, Lou McCary played with Dalglish. He knows the type of player Dalglish was, but they might just make a throwaway remark like it reminds me. See when he does that certain thing, GP he might remind you of a player. But the minute you utter the word Dalglish in, in that sentence all of a sudden you're comparing Simon Donnelly to him um, I don't think it did said any any trouble whatsoever during his career I mean it didn't do him any harm I, I did like Simon Donnelly I thought he had a cracking relationship up the right with Jackie Mack who mm-hmm. obviously became a good pally Simon Donnelly's as well I've got good memories of Simon Donnelly as a player at Celtic I really do there's some revisionism goes on I think particularly when you see comments on Twitter saying that he wasn't a decent player Donnelly was a very good player robbed, um, robbed of his moment in the sun literally in the sun in Dunfermline when, yeah. when that goal that goal his goal could have and should have sealed it's the marketers report this week Patrizia Spagnoletto global chief marketing officer direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. The league, and and the guy would be held as an immortal, basically. Like like Bratback, I suppose, is. um, And you you remember the Pars player's name? Falconbridge, yeah. Craig Falconbridge. You know he's still playing as we speak. <laughs> no, no, it can't be. He is, mate. When you interviewed me two years ago, he was still playing. And I he is. That Check point. him out. Oh my god, That's... Check him out. He's forty-two. He's the same age as me. <laughs> 
who is he playing for? Like, I don't know. He's in Scott the seventeenth tier of the English football or something. Scott Med Elevens and Scunthorpe or something like that. And the only thing anybody ever wants to talk to him about is that goal he scored at East End Park. Um, I did see him. I told you that I saw him in Lorenzo's that night, didn't I? Anyway, moving on, moving on. Simon Donnelly, yeah, compared to to Kenny Dalglish. And the thing with Leo Hill, the reason I brought that up again was the fact that you know we've got a seventeen-year-old boy there who's getting some. Um, he's getting some experience in the nitty gritty of Scottish football playing for Ross County in a relegation battle um, I read his dad's comments his dad of course played for Nottingham Forest he made some comments yesterday saying that you know what he's learning there um, if he was to come back to Celtic and get some game time Declan is going to have far more time on the ball he's not going to be under the cosh all the time the Celtic are you know, certainly domestically attacking a lot more uh, so it will hold him in good stead but there's this thing, there's this um, situation at Celtic whereby we don't seem to trust a lot of our youth players. So, mm. you know, we could go out this summer and try and buy uh, Josh Doig, who's at Hibs, he's interested in Leicester at the moment. It would probably be a, a fee around about three to three and a half million quid because his age, he's played something like 25, 30 games for the Hibs first team. And Celtic fans would be happy with that. It's almost as if we buy the player in, so it's fine. But really, how far ahead in his development is Doig over Held? I know Held's only played about 10 games at the moment, but um, should you be showing a wee bit more faith, I guess my question is, Declan, in players like Leo Held? Well, I think Stephen Welsh has proven that this season. We were at a point where I know he got drafted in and we were, he was really needed and um, he kind of dropped out of the team then we brought him back in. But post... January 2021 I think he's been one of the standouts in the team and probably one of the, the bright spots of this season and again there's a worry that we go to the summer and we maybe go out and buy another centre back then we just stick him on the bench every week which again will just halt his development as a player because at the end of the day players need game time to, to develop at such a young age so um, I think Stephen Wells proves to us anyway and anybody that, that's watching at Celtic um are developing some decent enough players that can walk into the first team. He's been an example of that. And uh, held, yeah, I mean, it's good that he's been out into the Scottish League, got experience up there in Dingwall. Again, if he looks up to it, I don't see why we, we can't give him a chance because we're in a situation here where the, the squad is already going to be short. Um, there's no point spending money if you don't have to, if you've already got somebody within your, your breaches that could, that could make it for you. The reason I bring that up, and by the way, uh, I've just checked JP, Falkenbridge is still going strong. He's currently playing with a team called Fame United, who's away kit. <laughs> their away kit is green and white hoops. So, you know, Falkenbridge... I know, brilliant. 42 years of age, superb. Signed for him in 2019, still playing to this day. Uh, the reason I bring it up is... On the management front, we're going to obviously speak about the potential for Celtic to bring in a new manager. Um, but someone said during the week there, and I think maybe it was after the fact that we had beaten, um, you know, a team in Livingston who has who have caused us problems all season, and we'd beaten them so convincingly. A few people were saying, ah, maybe John Kennedy's not as bad as as people make out. I don't think we ever said that. I think what's happened is he's been guilty by association, JP, this season, isn't he? Really, with, with the downfall um, of Neil Lennon, the downfall of Celtic, and um, the the lack of success that we've had this season. But someone made the point that if there was a thirty seven year old overseas coach 
you know, a German coach who was managing a team at this moment in time and et cetera, et cetera. And they were, they were playing the way the Celtic are playing. And, you know, it, we were maybe looking at them as part of a shortlist of candidates. Then we would view them differently than we would John Kennedy. And I think that's the point I was making with Leo Held. If we bring a 17-year-old wonder kid in from Norwegian football for £3.5 million, pound, we tend to trust them more than we do with our own. And I know that he came in from Norway when he was 16. But Klamala being a prime example, 21-year-old striker comes in, he's no better than the 21-year-olds we had at the club. It's the same with the manager in many respects. And by the way, I don't think John Kennedy should be Celtic's next manager. Um, because my, my take on it, uh, JP, is that and I don't think he'll do this but I think Celtic need to start building from within I think there is a place within the club for John Kennedy and he's probably shown the patience and the ability to have a position but I don't think he should be foisted on any new management team coming in so if Eddie Howe doesn't want John Kennedy as a coach he shouldn't be there but I would still try and retain him if indeed Kennedy's uh, ambitions aren't so lofty that he would see this as a a backwards step and I would try and retain him for the Colts team who at this moment in time may well, um, but I think we're still in discussions to get them into the pyramid. I think that would also be part of a managerial strategy whereby you're building your next manager. You see a lot of these managers, they end, you know, they're, play, they're managing the, the B team, then they make the step up. I was looking at the career of uh, Andreas Hinkle, you know, who's currently the assistant, but he's he's been the reserve team manager and then he gets the step up. It's not as old-fashioned as I thought that was, JP. Do you think that's something the club should look at? I think if it's if it's a feasible uh, role, then yeah. I mean, I think if you were to ask John Kennedy what he what he uh, what his thoughts would be, like if you were to say to him honestly, do you think you have earned the right or deserve the right to be the Celtic manager? If he was to give you an honest answer, surely he would say no. Like, I mean, let's face it, it's a huge, huge job, and I don't think that that is that it's not that it just doesn't seem to be the right time. It might be a t- there might be a time in the future, uh, and 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 you know if there is cool. But with regards to the Livingston game at the weekend, there was something very telling that I think it was Jerry McCulloch asked uh, Darren O'Day what he he said. He said um, we, we seem to have had a trouble with Livingston um, a couple of times this season. You know what, what do you think that is, Darren? And Darren O'Day just started laughing and went COVID, like, <laughs> COVID. Uh-huh. You know you go back to January. We have half of our squad self-isolating and we basically have to play a skeleton side which gains a nil-nil draw at home. And then uh, fast forward a couple of weeks and the first game back for a lot of those players is away at Almond Vale when they've not been playing, they've not been training properly because they've been sitting at home and then they managed to eke out, uh, was it two each? It was two, two each, each. It? Yeah, two each. So that's, that's, that's two results with one club in the league that have been affected by COVID. And that's not me blaming COVID or saying that, oh, it's all COVID's fault and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, oh, your, your tears are delicious and all of that. And never mind that. That's, that is fact. That is what happened. And then you look at what happens when we've got a settled side. Fair enough. Okay, the pressure's off. But we absolutely hammer them 6-0. And no disrespect to Livingston, but that's what Glasgow Celtic should be doing against Livingston. We should be putting swatting them to the one side. David Martindale should be on the sideline screaming at his players because they're not doing the things that you know they can do against other teams because they're playing us. 
and you know that we're the, we won everything for the last four years. <laughs> we should be doing we should be doing that to a team like them. So uh, I'm not going to get carried away by that result at the weekend because ultimately that's what I expect. No, I, I would. Um, that's the kind of um, situation that I would have expected Celtic to be in. Uh, you know, the free, the free scoring, rip roaring. roaring. Yeah, <laughs> that that kind of. Uh, when you look at the talent that the club has and has had all season, that's what we would expect. That's why it was so frustrating. I think when we were watching mm-hmm. this this language style of play. I mean, it does come down, I guess, to John Kennedy's own uh, ambitions as well. JP, as you say, we um, are looking at a, a guy here who's, who's got a wealth. Of knowledge uh, under various managers at Celtic, I think there's going to be positions coming up in Scottish football that would maybe suit him. You know, there's a couple of clubs who might be looking for a new manager in the top league next season. Does Kennedy want to free the nest? Um, because, as you say, does he does he honestly think that he's got what it takes? I think it was Lawrence Connolly um, was saying that you know what what if he goes unbeaten to the end of the season and wins the cup? Does it change your view? It doesn't actually change my view. I think that that was the kind of um, false sense of security that, that the club were kind of led into when Neil Lennon was given the job second time round, Declan. Uh, by all accounts, Ken, Kennedy or Kendo, as the players call him, has got a lot of respect uh, from the players at, at Celtic. Do you think that there has been, as well as the, the pressure being off, as JP says, do you think there has been a, a new bounce to the team? It certainly wasn't evident in the first couple of games. There probably has been a bit of a new bounce, um, especially if you look at the shots that we've had in goal. I know we weren't really converting them early on in uh, the, the stages with that poor, poor game up at Tannadice, but the, the team certainly are playing a bit with a bit more energy, moving the ball about a bit slicker, um, making the ball work for us rather than we work for the ball. You can see that in the way we, we try and move the ball about, but but for me, you know, the, these games are dead rubbers, and um, even if it does go to win the the Scottish Cup which I hope he does um, I, I don't think that he, he should be um, considered because of being guilty by association this season um, I, I think if we possibly had won the 10 he might have got the job um, due to the way that we have appointed before if you, if you look at as you say there Paul with Neil Lennon going on to win that Scottish Cup and get the league over the line he was given the job and that merit so I think that might have been the case but I'm all for retaining him at the club um, as long as Eddie Howe wants him, that would be. And if not, another position, such as you say, possibly as a Colts manager, or I even thought if there is a big restructuring job in where Chris McCart is as a pathway, because, um, you know, probably Callum McGregor and Kieran Taylor and another couple of guys would say they probably owe a bit to John Kennedy in their, their early development. So I, I certainly think there's still a place for him at the club, but not as the, the first team coach or manager. The thing with the, the Colts team, it's not to be scoffed at. I know that it's been uh, a point of discussion for many, many years, JP, and the, the big stickling point being their entry level. You know, why should Celtic or Rangers or any other club have an entry level which bypasses a lot of the clubs that have been pushing to get into these leagues? Isn't that going against the whole idea of having a pyramid system? Um, and I actually tend to agree with that. I've got to say, but surely we can look further down the leagues. We can look to the level of St. Rocks, for example. So they're looking for teams in um, leagues that are, you know, maybe seventh tier of Scottish football. And if you're good enough, you will quite rapidly climb through those um, those leagues. I've heard the argument that, well, that's not a good enough standard. How will the players develop? You're not telling me that it's, it's a worse standard than playing other kids at 17 year old. Surely, you know, to get that competitive football, um, albeit. 
you know, six or seven levels down in Scottish football, I think would be better for young players' development than, than either not playing at all or playing bounce matches against kids the same age as them. You know, because at the age of 16 or 17, JP, you can stop progressing unless you're pushed up to that next level. See, with regards to the pyramid, excuse my naivety, but what is the stages before uh, the, is it called the third division? Am I right in saying that? So it's League One, League Two. And then, then you've got the the Highland and Lowland, the Highland and Lowland leagues underneath, mm-hmm. um, which obviously it's it's more of a a situation whereby if you look at Kelty Hearts, for example, who felt very hard done by um, in relation to not being given the opportunity to play a playoff that might have uh, got them into the league over mm-hmm. the likes of Brecon City. Um, so there's a pathway for a lot of these clubs, like St Rocks, for example, who used to be junior. They used to be junior clubs are now part of the pyramid system and they can work their way up um, the, the leagues. Uh, one of the clubs that we've spoken to this season is, is um, Haddington, one of the local clubs to the studio as well. And when you look at how they perform in the Scottish Cup, for example, you know, Pro Rangers, you look at a lot of these clubs, JP, and, you know, sometimes they're scoffed at because they're playing in the lowly sixth tier of Scottish football. But a lot of these clubs are good setups. They've just never been able to progress. They've never been able to grow. You've had a club um, until fairly recently, like East Stirling, who could finish bottom of the league 10 years running and they would never drop out the divisions. There's mm. a, lot of, a lot of these clubs that aren't there on merit, you know, that's just because of the way the, the system worked. And I think that um, some of the lower league clubs would find it very difficult to accept a Celtic or a Rangers coach team um, into even the third or fourth tier because they're bypassing all these leagues for clubs who, particularly through the pandemic, are struggling to stay alive. You know, they've worked really hard to get their, their stadium in order. Even things like floodlights. So you can't play in the Scottish Cup unless you've got floodlights, right? And the installation of a floodlight system can be something like 140,000 quid. And a lot of these clubs just can't afford that. So they're hamstrung by the fact that they can't progress. Now there's an opportunity for them to progress through the tiers, which I think is great for the development of Scottish football. But I also think that um, clubs need to look at them um, as allies and think, well, you know, we can either join the league or we can put some players down there. There's St Johnston players playing for Haddington at this moment in time, young St. Johnson players. So it can be done. And, you know, the St. Johnson players in question are delighted that they're getting competitive football rather than playing, you know, you know, basically youth football against mm. kids the same age as them. So it is, it's something that's, that's developing, JP. And I think in the uh, Scottish Cup, we have seen some of the quality that, that's, that's down there in the lower leagues. I would have thought it would make sense to sort of draw up a list of pros and cons because... Surely there's got to be, it's not just all negative, the idea of Celtic and Rangers Colts. It can't just all be negative. There must be, you could put, you know, a fair amount of pros in the, in, in, on a, down on a sheet of paper. And then if the, if, the, if the cons outweigh the pros for those clubs, then that's how they assess their vote. But um, I, 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 I don't know the, the full ins and outs of it all, but I would have thought that there's, there would be more pros to it than, than cons because, you know, Long term for for the for the leagues, I would have thought that it would have worked out better uh, in terms of revenue. Mm-hmm. Just even just spotlight, you know, not even necessarily revenue, but but spotlight and a spotlight which would then generate revenue. Uh, maybe I'm being naive in that thinking, but and maybe Amy Amy would uh, have a have a, a weapon in her hand to <laughs> to sort of uh, come at me with um, against that sort of thinking, but uh, I, I get why people want to protect these clubs and feel feel a kind of uh, 
responsibility to, to sort of look after them. I was just speaking to a guy there that's the media officer at Mary Hill and um, he was going in, he's a media officer and he was going in to help clear up the place because there's been a couple of break-ins recently mm-hmm. uh, at Mary Hill. So, um, you know, it's, it's when, you're in, when you're in that bubble, it's kind of, you know, you're maybe thinking, oh, I don't want anything to, to sort of damage this, so... Yeah. No, you're right, and I get that, but I think that there could be a lot of advantages uh, to the mm-hmm. Celtic brand, if you like, being in the lower leagues as well. Um, and John Kenny, one final point on him, Declan, he came out, I think he's been very measured for the best part, uh, but over the last couple of weeks he's, he's been a wee bit more bullish in some of the things that he'd been saying. Um, he, was, he was talking about getting some consistency in relation to the SFA disciplinary process, and then he's come out and he's basically said, you know, that shows that we are still the best team in this league. Um, is that just bullish words before a big game? Is it? Um, is he? Is he playing mind games with, with Rangers and Steven Gerrard? I think he will be. I, I was glad to see him come out and defend the club. I think at times, I know we had that Neil Lennon press conference. It was a bit of a meltdown. Some of the content which he actually said was was the right thing to say, but just the wrong time in saying it. So, um, I was glad to see him come out and defend the club. You know, I, I'm not a great believer in buying into the. We're better than your part. I'd go and show that in the pitch. Ultimately, this season, we've not did that. So um, I think it's quite a, you know, it's not a very measured statement to come out and say. But again, run up to these games, slip that in there, you know, it, it can start to make your players think a wee bit more and lift their spirits. But uh, yeah, I think he's did okay, certainly in press conferences and whatnot, coming into the job. He's, uh, he's, he's did his job well and what you would expect for an interim manager. So, and that is all it should be as an intern manager. I'm not for, for pushing that he's going to get the job or uh, anything else. If he's to be there at all next season, it should only be a part of the coaching staff or another role. And that's if the manager that comes in wants him. But there's been talk this season, um, a lot of it came from Neil Lennon, actually JP, talking about um, a lack of confidence. They were low in confidence, the Celtic players, um, and you find that hard to believe, but obviously they're humans just like you and I. Is this really just the way that John Kennedy's trying to build them up again, coming out saying, you guys are better than this team? I, th- well, I, don't, I don't have any issue with them saying that because, you know, uh, we have played pretty well against them in the last two games you know arguably you know things didn't go as crazy as they did with Beaton deciding he was playing rugby instead of football uh, at Ibrox in January I I wonder how that game would have panned out you know they had to rely on McGregor making an absolutely phenomenal save from Griffiths Uh, I heard some people say that wasn't you know, that's what you'd expect from a keeper or, or saying things like that. I mean, there's absolutely no way. If that's what you expect from a keeper, then you must have pretty high standards because, that, I mean, it was, it was out of this world. I mean, full stretch, you know, uh, strong hand. It was, it was a great save and I'm sure I'm sure he'll dine out on that for a long time as a result of it. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't have any problem with him, you know, sort of... I, yeah, it's probably fanning the flames a little bit ahead of the fixture, but I want a bit of needle in this fixture. There was the last game at Celtic Park was was languid, you know. In the second half, it it didn't feel like we were going for them, and we need to go at them. We need we need to go at them on on uh, Sunday because it's it's which winner takes all, isn't it? It's not, mm. it's not. There's no there's no playing for a draw or happy with a draw or any chat like that. It's it's it's. Let's go at them. 
We will talk about the game. I think there's a few selection um, conundrums. A lot of people are saying you just play the same team that beat Livingston, but obviously, you know, the challenge is different. Um, we're coming up against a side that we've not beaten this season. And I think that, um, you know, there's a few positional um, situations that I think there's a decision to be made. So I'll run through them. But we've mentioned Neil Lennon a couple of times. And um, obviously, yesterday, Colin and Amy spoke about the viral video that surfaced the other night. And there's been loads spoken about it. There's been people coming out in the media defending Neil Lennon and obviously um, looking at the actions of the person that's been filming him and goading him etc and it shows you the world that we live in in relation to social media doesn't it and the fact that um, whatever you do could be getting recorded uh, audio, visual and within seconds uh, your life could change you, you could lose your job for example if you do something that's caught on camera um, and you know a lot has been said and I also read the feedback that came through on the back of that discussion and they were saying well you were part of the problem as, as a podcast who wanted Neil Lennon removed from from office and the behaviour Celtic fans were part of the problem. I've heard all this chat. So I think it's an important discussion to have, uh, Declan. And I think that when you're looking at the situation with Neil Lennon, the first thing we need to say is, yeah, we know Neil's history because uh, he's spoken candidly about his battles with mental health. But we can't say that because he is a wee bit worse for wear, um, that the, these are intrinsically linked on this occasion. We know that he has a history of mental health issues, so I'm not going to pretend to know that this is him having some kind of meltdown or, or breakdown. Um, it's not nice for me to see anybody being made a fool of in that way because he's obviously drunk. He's had far too much to drink, and, and they're using that to their advantage, whoever it is that filmed them and putting it out there. But I think that if, for example, Declan, if, for example, there were ex-players at Celtic who were suffering um, any kind of mental trauma, uh, any kind of addiction problems, etc. Um, and it came to your attention. The, the one thing that came to my mind, and I've not had an opportunity really to discuss it on the podcast, is um, who helps them? Who supports them? You know, th this is the big question mark that's came out of this whole situation. Regardless of whether or not Neil Lennon is suffering mental health issues and that is something that's private to him if a situation like this happens the one question that came to me is if he does need help be that through addiction problems or through mental health whatever it may be not him any ex-Celtic player what is done for them who is there as a support mechanism for ex-Celtic players um, j just firstly Paul the, the person taking the video is just a complete and utter coward and uh to, to do that and start shooting when the person's walked away from you is very cowardice. So I would say that first. And to touch on that, one of the things I was really disappointed about last year when we all went into lockdown and COVID first broke out was that from what I know, nobody contacted any Lisbon line or former player to check up them to see if they were okay. Now that was something much to my amazement. As you know, I, I keep in contact with Jim Craig and John Fallon and another couple of the the guys that were part of that squad, which which is just, you know, just a kind of, kind of duty to talk to them and, and see what's what's going on. And they're always up for a chat. But I thought it was pure that the club weren't checking up in club legends like that during such a difficult period of time. Um, and at this point in time, if that's their attitude towards former players in the middle of a lockdown, I, I don't know what kind of things are in place um, for, for something like that. Because mental health, you know, it's been something that, 
As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. We became a lot more aware of, I think, in the past year due to lockdowns. Um, it's something that it doesn't stop at anybody. Anybody can suffer from mental health. The signs aren't always there. You don't always know what's going on in somebody's mind. And uh, I know the foundation run a, a kind of scheme to, to help people with that. But in terms of former players or anybody like that, I, I don't know what the football club do. And I would like the football club to be a bit more caring of former players. Mm. I know you've always said about um, David Hayden at Chelsea he gets a, a kind of hamper sent up to him every Christmas, which I think is a nice thing to do for football clubs. You should take care of your own and look after your, your former players. No, definitely. It, it was it was surprising to me actually that a former uh, player and manager of our club, i.e. Davy Hay, uh, who is now our club ambassador, um, at that time that I spoke to him was certainly getting more in the way of not support as such, but contact from Chelsea. And you know, and obviously he was more of a, a Celtic legend because of injury uh, more than anything else, than he was a Chelsea legend. But that was something that happened after Abramovich came into the club, uh, incidentally, Declan. And I just think that there is a situation that um, there's various things. Jim Worth speaks about it quite a bit and he speaks very well about it. The, the kind of challenges, JP, that are facing the incoming CEO, there's certain things that he can challenge head on. And the one that some people might not think is as important as some of the issues that um, have not been dealt with properly so far, that I feel quite strongly about is the former players. And as Declan says there, I'm aware of, and this isn't us saying, oh, we know this one or we know that one, JP, because you've met far more ex-footballers and uh, rock and roll stars than the two of us put together. Um, it's about the fact that I'm aware of two ex-Celtic players who um, have suffered mental health issues and addiction issues during the, the lockdown uh, periods over the last year. And there is no support for them from anyone other than their own friends and family. And that saddens you, and I'm obviously not going to name who they are. But, um, you know, these are people that it doesn't really matter if they played one game or a thousand games, but these are people who are established Celtic players during times of real success. And I know um, Celtic Rab's coming in to remind us that there is a former players association. And my understanding of what an association is there for is for situations exactly like this. I don't think an association's there just to facilitate live events and all this kind of stuff. I think it's there to support the ex-Celts and also a good point that Declan made the widows of ex-Celts because I mean we've got the Lisbon Lions who we celebrate and quite rightly celebrate um, always and I hope we always do but we need to make sure that guys like that and and their widows are looked after and you know it might actually surprise people how many ex-players we've got in the eras let's say right up to 20 years ago for example in terms of contacting them to make sure that they are okay. Do they need anything? 
are they struggling? Could they be financially um, in peril? Could they be struggling with mental health issues, addiction issues? Um, one small example, Peter Latchford's brother, Bob Latchford, was a fantastic football player, played for Everton. And he was on the list for a hip replacement. And, you know, anyone who's had to wait for an operation will know that it can take some time. My knee operation, which wasn't the reason I never made it as a footballer, by the way, um, took about two years before I got that. So the Everton Former Players Association sent on private, got it done almost immediately. So it's it's a, an association, some kind of function, JP, that when an ex-player or the family of an ex-player is in need, then we should have a facility that supports them. The club doesn't have that at the moment. And I think what we do have is we've got a charitable arm, the Former Players Association at every club set up as charities. And I think they should be... Um, you know, combined, they should be one. You know, they should be part of the foundation, and we should be able to support and assist our ex-players. Absolutely, absolutely, couldn't agree more. Uh, whether it's whether it's financial help, whether it's uh, help with matters, uh, mental health or otherwise, or physical health, um, you'd like to think that there is a there's a there's a structure there. Um, to, to be put in place and not not in a kind of oh we feel sorry for these people and anything like that just as a duty of care to 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 people because football's a short career players nowadays will probably well not not always but you know probably manage their finances better the money that they're they're um, earning in the, in today's game far eclipses what was earned in the past so you're talking more about players in the 70s 80s 90s mm-hmm. um, and and how and how they're how they're looked after just because you know if they're, even if they're not associated with a successful period of the club like the Lisbon Lions you know it could just be a Celtic player that played for Celtic for a season or two and then you know went elsewhere and never won a trophy because there was plenty of years where that didn't happen <laughs> you know where, yeah. let's not forget that um, so I, I I totally agree with that. With, with regards to the Neil Lennon thing, I agree with Declan. Video disgusting, um, and uh, I looked it up, but I didn't know what. I just saw there was some chatter about it, and I didn't know what had happened. And then I, I I've never done, never really done this before, and I never really had to do it. But I typed in Neil Lennon to Twitter search, and one of the first things that came up was a Rangers fan who said Neil Lennon cannot stand us. He hates us with a passion and always will. So F him and anybody else who feels sorry for him. And then a, a, a two fingers up emoji. Now, I nearly, I've wrote out a draft response to that. I don't know the girl. My name's Claire, random Rangers fan from somewhere. And I, and I wrote out a draft response to it and I've not sent it. And I still haven't sent it because I didn't want to engage with someone who I don't know. I feel that's quite weird on Twitter when you do that, when you just sort of suddenly crash land into someone's timeline and you don't know them and just because she happens to have spewed out that bile but so what if he hates if he hates Rangers I don't particularly like the club either I certainly would never wish to see uh, one of their players ex-players managers ex-managers in that state and I wouldn't take any satisfaction about it whether it was Ian Durant Ian Ferguson all of the Rangers players who absolutely rubbed it in my face in the 90s don't care who it is. I would never, ever wish to see that. And I never would want to, uh, you know, dance about and and, and, and sort of, a, you know, uh, revel in the fact that somebody was suffering in that way. Because he is suffering. You don't get in that nick unless you're suffering. That wasn't him on a night out having a great time. That was him on 
in a really dark place because he wasn't a, you know, the, the current situation is that we're not, you know, we can't all party and have, it wasn't a wedding, he wasn't a, a, a birthday party. He was on his own in a hotel, seemingly in England. We may or may not have been there for, for work or otherwise because you are allowed to travel for work. I know he's been doing work for radio stations down south, so we don't know why he was there, but ultimately he was there. And, and it was horrible. It was horrible to see, and I hope the people that put up these Lenin, Lenin out with a red line through it uh, signs. I hope they all have a, a, a long, hard look at themselves because I'm not saying they're partly responsible. His issues lie deeper than that, clearly. But it didn't help. No, it's a good point because I see all day, every day, the, the big campaign, obviously, that Sky Sports are driving in and around online hate, JP. Mm. And, you know, I think it's a contributing factor to anybody who is already struggling. Um, I mean, nobody wants to be the target of online hate and online abuse. Um, Talking from someone who's had their face put into that red cross before on Twitter as well, which was interesting because I wonder where people get the time to do that. But I just think that as a club, we are in a position, and we will always be in a position, where we should be looking after our ex-players. And I just think, JP... Declan, that any ex-Celt or family of an ex-Celt should be able to turn up at that reception desk at Celtic Park and be led down to a wee office where there's representatives in there who can speak to them in confidence about any matter and give them the, the support that they require and deserve because they served Celtic Football Club and without the players, what would we have achieved? Um, you know, some of the really good examples that I've seen, having tried to get in touch with ex-players, etc. Motherwell, fantastic former players' association. Dunfermline Athletic, Mickey Mikovic, who's a fan, um, a fan, maybe is a fan. He's definitely a friend of the, the podcast. Um, was involved in there, still is. Dunfermline former players. Middlesbrough down south, outstanding. Aston Villa, and Celtic should have. Uh, an absolutely um, fantastic former players association that assists the ex-players if they are in need of any kind of assistance any assistance um, there's plenty of other talking points and obviously we can't get through a bulletin at the moment without mentioning Eddie Howe um, the, the, the lead question before we get on to the Rangers game will Celtic fans get a managerial appointment and victory over Rangers in the next seven days um, is silence golden at the moment Declan do you think we have something up our sleeve are we going to be any further forward this time next week I think it was telling that, that Stephen McGowan came out with uh, I think he said both parties are cramming this um, he's been quite a good source all season for, for any stories coming out about the club so um, I think we might be. I don't think you go and meet Dermot Desmond and uh, basically waste, waste his time. If, if reports are true that Eddie Howe's met with Dermot Desmond, I hope it's just a, a sticking point that we we can overcome. So maybe silence is golden that we're not hearing any other reports. That might just be a good thing. What's your thoughts on that, JP? Because um, I've got to say... I'm not going to uh, say I've got any inside info, but I am still confident that Celtic are going to get this deal over the line. Well, I think the guy said on uh, on Monday um, when they weren't uh, going off on tangents, which I love, by the way, don't get me wrong, uh, they um, said that, that, that um, if it was going to, if it was not going to be happening, then there would have been a statement from Eddie Howe saying, um, I, don't, I don't know what all this fuss is about, I'm not, I'm not interested in the Celtic job. And likewise, we would have said, please disregard this. There's been no uh, talk from either side. 
So you think in that situation that there's definitely something it's still there, it's still in in the mix, and I'm not getting my um, knickers in a twist about it. I'm I'm quite calm about it. I, I, I'd like to think that the club know what they're doing at this stage, and uh, it's probably more to do, as Declan said, about the the order of appointments. You know, you, you surely wouldn't bring in a new head coach or manager under the former CEO's watch when the, the, the new CEO is not even in the building yet. Just, that doesn't really sit right, does it? Never mind about photo opportunities. That's obviously a part of it. But just even just the, the, the business of it and the, the mechanics of it doesn't, doesn't sit right. So we'll just see what happens. See what happens next week. Well, hopefully we're sitting here and... By my calculation, we'll be sitting here with 89 days to go for our first fixture, JP, and we might be able to talk about the new manager. Yeah. Let's have a wee chat about the Rangers game. Uh, Declan, it's the only thing really we've got to play for this season because of the way things have gone. We could be the first club ever to win five Scottish Cups in a row, um, but obviously we've got to overcome Rangers first. And there's a few, are they selection headaches or are they easy enough decisions do you think to make? Uh, James Forrest or Ryan Christie, I think that comes down to Forrest's uh, fitness because for me, he's been a massive difference since he came back and he should be the first pick if he's fit on Sunday. I would play him, I think he gives you good energy, he gives you a different outlet in the right-hand side. Again, it brings natural balance and you can get him and Moy as the two wingers stretch the game a bit but um, on selection headaches it will be interesting because going with the 4-4-2 diamond against Rangers uh, previously at Ibrox and obviously the last game at Celtic Park seemed to have worked it, it narrowed the, the midfield because we know that Rangers got to that kind of low block with their two wingers dropping as number 10s and um, kind of allowed us to, to take charge of midfield so it will depend on the way in which we're going to want to play football whether we'll try and narrow midfield to try and take control in there or go with a 4-2-3-1 and uh, try and get the wide players involved in the game but I think from my perspective uh, if James Forrest is fit I'd be going with a 4-2-3-1 and get them out on that right hand side and trying to give Rangers something different um, and again he's not scored in one of these games for a wee while so I think uh, it'd be quite nice for them to pop up with a goal in such a big game What about uh, Luxol Taylor. Taylor's played pretty well. I mean, he's struggled, I think, to win over large sections of the Celtic support. But I think, uh, you know, in terms of certainly his attacking uh, prowess, I think he's more of a threat. I think he's better um, with his distribution than Luxalt is. Um, and I don't see us going all out to keep Luxalt with the club. Uh, would you agree with that? Would you? I know that he's performed pretty well against Rangers in the past, Diego Luxalt. But for me, I'm going for Greg Taylor. I would think. go with Greg Taylor as well. Yeah. Uh, sorry, JP. No, no, sorry. I, I, I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, I think he just brings a bit more uh, stability to the back four. He's a natural defender. Laxal at times can be a bit erratic and forward. So, And again, we saw what Taylor can do. That splitting pass through the uh, the channel to, to Moy at the weekend just showed that he's got that in his, uh, his locker. So I'd go with Taylor just for a wee bit of stability at the back. Do you see, it often happens in, in the big games, JP, where the manager surprises us. It certainly happened under Neil Lennon's time at Celtic. Uh, do you see Kennedy playing it safe, uh, if there is such a thing, or do you see any surprises in the lineup on Sunday? Sometimes, I remember Tommy Burns saying that you can throw a player into a big game 
and because they've already checked out in terms of not thinking they're playing, they don't mm. have the same issue with the, the regards to the nerves and, and all that kind of thing. And, and they, they can sometimes flourish. It's almost like they can play without fear. Do you think uh, Kennedy has that in his locker? Uh, potentially, and it, it could potentially be Lee Griffiths. Um, who knows? Because I, I, I'm concerned about James Forrest. I, we've heard nothing. And when you hear nothing, it's either... Well, it's one of the two things. It's either he's not going to be fit and he's 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 injured, uh, or he is, and you just don't know. It's one of those ones where, if we were to release and say James Forrest is okay, then that means that we've re- revealed our hand and we pretty much know that that is going to be the formation because he's definitely if, if Forrest is fit, he's definitely going to play that same team as Saturday. There's no you don't you know batter a team six 0 and then change the side for the following week regardless of the opposition I think it's it would be crazy to do that so I think Taylor will start but the, the Forest thing is is I mean it was so frustrating when I saw him going off because he made such such a difference to that to the way that we played the balance allowing El Yunusi to play you know with the sort of freedom that you know we hope they can play with and just you know. For, for wanting a better thing, he, he scored. He scored the opening goal and took the pressure off. And might not have been his best goal, but he still scored. And you know he's always going to provide a goal uh, in a game. He's always going to provide an assist in a game. So that's straight away, you know, why you would want him playing. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I, if Forrest isn't playing, then I don't know if you would just go with. Oh well, we'll just stick Christie in uh, mm. right on the right. I, 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 I don't think that's a good idea. I, I don't know what you would do beyond that. <laughs> and that's why I'm not a, a, a coach of a football team. But um, I, I would maybe consider consider playing uh, Griffiths and, and Eddie up top and then building the team around that. Quick prediction for Saturday before we wrap up for the day. Sunday. Declan McConville. Sunday. Oh, Sunday. Sunday. Aye, aye. Yeah. Sunday. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Celtic. Um I'm going to go. I think it'll be quite tight, uh, but I think the players need to prove themselves. They know what it takes in these games. They should know what it takes. I think we're due a, a victory against Rangers, so it's all we've got to play for. We need to stop Rangers with the possibility of doing a double. So, um, two one Celtic. Two one Celtic for Jet. What about yourself, JP? Oh God, uh, this is recorded. I'm going to go one nil. I got to go one now. I got remember I got one each right last. You did. You uh, did. Each. Um, so hopefully, hopefully we've learned our lessons in terms of defending. We seem to have done in the last few games. That's the only goal we've conceded. I think under John Kennedy. Is that right? Am I yeah. right? Uh, yeah. Um, so hopefully, yeah. I mean, uh, hopefully we 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 have learned our lessons on that, and we can create the same level of chances that we've created in recent times I think it must be into treble figures now in the last few games so you'd like to think that somebody can put one of them away Absolutely now one final point before we wrap up Maravchik25 tells us that the German model of welfare for former pros is exceptional and unified I just think if there's a model in place replicate it if there's yeah. something out there, go and find out about it and replicate it. And a club like Celtic should be able to do that because um, we've got to look after our former players, uh, regardless of you know how long they played at the club. We need to uh, open the door to them and allow them to come in and find some kind of sanctuary of, uh, or advice, support, um, should they require it. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Sorry I couldn't get through more of your comments, but thanks for getting involved in uh, the discussion on Twitter, Facebook and on YouTube. And if you haven't already done so, make sure you subscribe on the YouTube channel for free daily content. All that's left for me to say is thank you to Declan McConville and JP Mason for joining me once again on A Celtic State of Mind. Got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Network.